Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon. And transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite. You are listening to Omega Man Radio Network. With Shannon Davis. Excited to be here today with our friend Harry Cooper of SharkHunters.com. And this will be our last program together before Harry goes on a special patrol. Harry, welcome aboard. Thank thank you very much. Always good to be here. Harry, are you smiling right now? (laughs) Yeah, I am. Why? I know you're smiling because you're getting ready to take what may be your first international trip since the Kung Flu lockdown. Is that right? That is correct, the Kung Flu Scamdemic. Man, I wish I was going with you. I know you're smiling because you're going to have a blast. Where are you headed to? Well, we're going to uh, uh, Bavaria and Austria. Our first stop is Munich. We'll be there for a few days. Uh, We're going to have lunch at the Hofbrauhaus, which is a very famous place. That's where Hitler used to have his uh, speeches up on the third floor because they could put 800 people there. And then we're going to Oktoberfest, which is like a uh, like a state fair on steroids. It's huge. It's, it's so much fun. 
and uh, I don't drink beer, but I still have a lot of a lot of fun there. People in the beer tents, everybody's singing and having a good time. Even you might not know the people at the table you're sitting at, but by the time you leave, you're buddies. Well, now look, I don't drink either. Did you know that? Uh, except for no, coffee, tea, and if I was there with you, I'd be drinking a Coke and probably having some Wiener Schnitzel and some of that good bread, as long as I got butter to go with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't drink either. My Irish granddad probably rolling over in his grave, uh, but he drank enough for he and I both, I think. Uh, but, no, I, I stick with Coca-Cola or Pepsi, and uh, Jaeger schnitzel is my favorite food. That's a, a veal cutlet or a pork Ooh. cutlet smothered in dark brown gravy with a little chopped up little onions in it and it just and mushrooms it's awesome man that's going to be good eating and uh you betcha this is going to be uh, the first of what i hope is many uh trips you're going to be able to make and so hey right. i know you got to be excited um ready to go my granddad used to say man there's nothing like getting on a plane you give me a plane ticket well that I will travel at a moment's that, notice. That's true. And I I got, I got a really, really cheap fare because Delta owed owed me some money. I think I paid 400 and something bucks Whoa. round trip. Whoa. But, uh, yeah, I got two two stops on the way over there and one stop on the way home. Uh, I get home at midnight, whatever day I'm coming home. But I'm also one of our members in uh, uh, Estonia. Uh, his grandfather was in the Estonian SS, and he has a ton of artifacts from his grandfather, including his diary, and he asked that I should come and see it, so he and his wife are going to put me up for a couple of days. Oh, man. I'm going to photograph everything I can. Yeah. Yes. Looking forward to it. I've never been to Estonia. Estonia? Uh, where? Where is that located, actually? I don't know where it's at myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the uh, uh, Baltic... Um, countries uh there's lithuania latvia and estonia wow estonia is the further north of all of them that is going to be exciting who knows what you might uncover there uh more pieces to the puzzle of true history folks welcome aboard excited to be here with harry cooper um he heads up sharkhunters.com and uh, during this program, I hope that you go check it out, and afterwards, too, and we'll tell you about some great offers you can get through them. Uh, for this program, Harry, uh, take us into some history. Where do you want to go today? Well, I think the best bet is the new series of books we have out called Hidden Secrets of World War II. We've got six volumes out so far, and a lot of it is leading south. The Third Reich did not die on the 8th of May when the German army surrendered. They just moved south. They are huge in South America. Still today. Well, I want you to reveal some of those secrets today. Wet my appetite, and then folks, you can get more of the story <laughs> later. We'll tell you how to get the books. The mic is yours. Take it away, Harry. Alrighty, thank you. I'm clicking on my computer to come up with the, uh, the books, and then we'll talk about the books. Um, there are six volumes, and the, as I say, I, I don't speak Spanish, but I get along real well in my German, 
down in South America. Figure that one out. So many people uh, allegedly died in uh, Europe, and they didn't die. We're the ones who proved absolutely, without a doubt, Hitler did not die in uh, the bunker. He did not shoot himself. And uh, there's a picture of a dead Hitler there with a bullet hole right in the middle of his forehead, and yet uh, all the reports say that he uh, shot himself in the right temple. So, wait a minute. What's wrong with that picture? Um, uh, Plus, there's so much other information. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what I'm coming up with. Ah, here we go. Okay. Take your time. Okay, volume one. Right out. These are all first-person stories uh, from World War II. First off, uh, in uh, volume one, we have uh, we talk about the propaganda broadcasts in the Atlantic, where this U.S. Navy uh, le- uh, lieutenant commander was posing as a German and broadcasting as if he was broadcasting from Germany, telling the U-boaters that uh, they might as well give up to the Allies because they don't have a chance. Uh, another chapter we talk about Axis Sally, who was uh, an American who was making anti-American broadcasts from Germany. Chapter three in Volume One. Ah, this is a big one. People always wonder: Was there U-boat supply in the Caribbean? And we cover that. Uh, we talk about Antarctica. That is still. Such an incredible riddle. Um, A friend of mine, one of our members, uh, a photographer from Germany, uh, she lived in Monte Carlo. She was a professional photojournalist. I went over there. She was in tight with the, uh, uh, the royal family, Prince Albert and all those people. And so we were going to have an an expedition to Antarctica. So I flew over to France. They picked me up in a chopper, drove me, flew me over to, landed right smack in Monte Carlo. And we met with a lot of the top people from the government there. Everything was set. We were supposed to get the use of the prince's uh, yacht, which is the size of a cruiser. We had everything set up. And then I went back to the States and all of a sudden, She was accosted and beaten, something terrible. They killed her little dog. And uh, so we realized we ain't supposed to go to Antarctica. And you can't go on your own anyhow. I go on expeditions to South America, to Germany, etc. 5,000 bucks gets me there for a couple of weeks. I see all the people I need to see, take all the pictures. Antarctica, a quarter of a million bucks ain't going to be enough to get you there. You need a half a mil. And then you you got to be ducking some people along the way. So, you know, there are theories, rumors, etc., that, that there's a secret Nazi base down there. you gotta, you got to say Nazi, otherwise it doesn't have a ring to it. And uh, we've never found any anything to back up that uh, postulation. There were, we 
in one of these, I can't remember which volume it is, but we have a photograph of the last operating Third Reich naval base. And the photo was taken in 1952, and the naval base was still operating in a hidden cove down in the uh, uh, Tierra del Fuego area in the Magellan Strait. So we cover that. Then there's another one about death camps. No, we ain't talking Auschwitz, Dachau, or any of the others, which really were not death extermination camps. They were forced labor camps. We're talking here about uh, Eisenhower's starvation camps. There was a great book about it by a guy named James Bach called Other Losses, in which he laid out the proof. There was no question about it. Over 1.1 million German soldiers who gave up after the war was over and they were put into these camps with no barracks, no buildings. They slept on the ground. They didn't have a mess hall because under Eisenhower's direct orders, food and water was withheld. They slept on the ground. They ate nothing. We've got pictures of them trying to make tea with Grass. They pull out the grass and they boil that with water. Over 1.1 million German soldiers starved to death under Eisenhower's orders. Um, there's another chapter. This is a good one. Hitler's death, the great SS charade. Three SS majors, uh, Obersturmfuhrer, I think is the rank at any rate, there was Guncha, who was the adjutant, Linga, who was the uh, uh, attaché, and Kempka, who was his driver. He was also head of the motor pool. Uh, <clears throat> they were grabbed by the Soviets, and they did confess that they witnessed Hitler and Eva Hitler committing suicide. Oh, then... After they got back from Russian captivity, then we see how that they laid out what we think is a, a carefully orchestrated charade so that we realized they were forced to confess. Two of the guys said they heard the shot. One of them said he just smelled the gunpowder. They rushed into the private quarters of Hitler and Eva Brown. But the time each one rushed in varies by as much as two hours. Two guys said that Hitler was sitting on the sofa. Eva Brown, Hitler was on his right by the wall and that he had shot himself in the right temple and that Ava's dress was wet because apparently when Hitler fell over, he knocked over a flower vase, which splashed her vest, her, her dress. And But then you see the pictures. If he had shot himself in the right temple, the blood spatter would have gone off to the left because the bullet would have gone through his head and out that side. Yet the blood spatter is all on the right side. Was it really his blood? Also, the sources all say that he shot himself in the right temple. Yet here's this dead Hitler laying there with a bullet hole in the middle of his forehead. Well, that ain't the right temple. And I was a weapons specialist in the military. 
and I've had lots of guns, and it's almost impossible to hold a gun in your right hand, a pistol, and turn it around and shoot yourself in the forehead. Guys just don't do that. They shoot themselves in the temple or in the mouth. Now, the third guy said that Hitler was sitting on a chair facing Ava Brown on the sofa. Ava Brown's body was laying down, whereas the other two guys said she was sitting up. And this guy said that uh, Hitler was sitting in the chair, while the other two guys said Hitler was sitting next to her on the sofa. The times are all different. Linga and Kempka died shortly after they got back from Russian captivity, but Guncha, who we knew, he was a huge guy, six foot something. He was in great physical shape, and when he was, uh, I think he was 80, his wife finally passed away, and we figure that was the sword that was being held over him, that he couldn't talk, or they somebody would kill his wife. Well, his wife passed away, normal death, and so they thought maybe Guncha might talk, and our friend Ingrid Scharfenberg, who owned a hotel over there, wonderful lady, um, she saw him on his 80, 80th or 81st birthday, I can't remember which, but she said he was in great physical shape. Well, some weeks later, his housekeeper found him dead in the sauna on about 9 o'clock in the morning, and he had been in the sauna since 3 o'clock the uh previous day and the temperature was 85 degrees celsius which is about 180 degrees i think fahrenheit and the guy was parboiled so the secret died with him bummer wow uh, let's see yeah oh there's so much so much here uh we cover s the ss and the gestapo in france uh, another chapter is argentina's place in the war uh, another one, Chapter 11. This is a good one about did he die? Did he escape? And what about MK Ultra? Are you familiar with MK Ultra? I have uh, heard of MK Ultra in the past. Um, what did you find out in your research? MK Ultra was big with our government, and one of the branches of the government, I'm not sure which one without looking at my notes again and I'm not going to say but this group kept a lot of sex slaves um, women who were brainwashed, controlled, whatever and from what we learned you could go check one out like you would check out a book at the library and there's one who got very famous that her handler um, fell in love with her and helped her break out and got got her reprogrammed and they got married and I talked to them on the phone oh man it must have been 20 years ago and I asked if I could uh, uh, get an interview and they said nope they just don't want to be found so okay but that's in the book and there's a place called Bohemian Grove out in California which is Apparently, an interesting place. I don't know. Uh, wild stuff goes on out there, oh, yes. allegedly. A large statue of an owl. Some believe it's Molech mentioned in the Old Testament. And um, 
It's along the Russian River. Thousands of acres, if I recall. Private men's club. And I, was it Richard Nixon who was out there one time and he came out of there and he uh, called a bunch of faggots? <laughs> I think I'm using his word. Uh, that, that could be the case. There was like no women to be found. Uh, they were all like men brought in and uh, uh, I guess he alluded to the fact that some of these world leaders um, they kind of swing the other way. What did you find out about the Bohemian Grove in your research? Uh, you're going to have to read it. Okay. It's in the book and if I say anything it would be just going out of memory and I'd probably screw it up but you got to read it. Mm. Um, we uh, There's another chapter called Paintings by Rembrandt. Rembrandt was the code name we gave one of our SEIG agents. We have SEIG agents. S-E-I-G. It's Shark Hunters, Eagle Hunters, Intelligence Group. This guy was an actual active agent in Holland, which is how he got the code name Rembrandt. And we all know that Mengele, Joseph Mengele, had a stroke while he was swimming and he died, except that Rembrandt's boss in the spook outfit he was working for had a sit-down interview with Mengele a year after the death. These guys from the Third Reich keep dying and popping up. (laughs) So he had a a really nice sit-down interview with Mengele, and Rembrandt was going to get me a copy of the tape. But at the last minute, his boss said, uh-uh, that tape ain't going nowhere. So I never got it. And now Rembrandt is passed on. So <clears throat> that's, the dan- that's the danger. And uh, this is why I'm excited that you are putting these books out. When I say danger, I mean that uh, people go to the grave with their secrets. And then we're starting back at ground zero again. It's like having to reinvent the wheel. Um, Unfortunately, that's that's true, and and that's why I'm doing. I don't get paid for this, uh, and we have a lot of volunteers too. Nobody gets paid at all from shark hunters. Period. Any money coming in goes to pay the phone bill, the electric bill, the printing, and and yakety yak, and the expeditions. Um, did Hitler live? Down in South America? Absolutely. I spoke to people who saw him down there. One of his personal guards, uh, Eris Pribke, was a member of Shark Hunters. I had dinner with his son. Uh, you know, there's, there's so much stuff hidden down there especially. Uh, you know, if uh, I keep saying I wish I was born rich instead of good looking because there's so much stuff down there I've just scratched the surface on. And... Uh, well, well, we'll cross that bridge in a moment here. We uh, we also cover Colonia Dignidad. That was a place in Chile that was founded by 300 uh, Waffen-SS guys. And this was a closed settlement. You couldn't get in, period. And uh, allegedly they helped... Salvador Allende out of office. They helped uh, General Pinochet overthrow Allende and a lot of people who were, a lot of 
Allende supporters were dragged into Colonia Dignidad and nobody ever heard of them after that. Um, then it, I'm just brushing the surface. So if, if your listeners want to go to sharkhunters.com and then click on shop, then click on books, and you can scroll through all the books. You click on each book and there's a little uh, descriptive paragraph. <laughs> Incidentally, when you go to sharkhunters.com, you will probably come up with the Southern Poverty Law Center page, the Southern Poverty Law, we call the spitlickers. Uh, they're discredited, they're dishonest, and they say that I'm a Nazi. I'm not now, nor have I ever been a Nazi. Ronald Reagan was a member of our group, and he's, well, I'm sitting here looking right now on my desk at the Presidential Medal of Merit that Ronald Reagan gave me. And right next to me is the American flag he gave me, so he didn't think I was a Nazi. So anyhow, just go to sharkhunters.com and uh, click on shop, click on books, and you're off to the races. Pardon me for sniffling. It's damp down here. It's humid. That's okay. And there's oak pollen everywhere. Listen, I got a call from a mother. I called her, actually, and she told me uh, she's having the same issues, having a hard time breathing this morning, coughing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm looking at my humidity gauge right now. That's 79% humidity in my room. I got to turn on a dehumidifier. It's like uh, you get 100%. Yeah. It'll begin to rain in uh, your house. <laughs> <laughs> it's very humid. When we first moved here 30 something years ago, we never had the humidity. But now lately, well, we're getting gully washer rainstorms. And thank God this hurricane missed us. It hit about 15 miles west of us at uh, Crystal River and made a mess of that. But then further up the coast, Cedar Key, where Kay and I got married almost four decades ago, buildings were just blown away. And, you know, that nitwit Biden says it's climate change, that he ought to go back to Happy Acres and weave baskets. Anyhow, (laughs) uh, in book number... Two, volume number two, chapter one is about Feuerland and secret bases. Feuerland, translated from German, means land of fire. And in Spanish, it's Tierra del Fuego. And that's where the Magellan Straits goes through. And there were bases, not bases, where there's buildings or anything, but there were little uplätze, they're called unbekanntplätze, unknown places, harbors where ships, submarines, whatever could go in and hide. And the Germans, <laughs> being so specific with everything, they had, and we've got copies of them, they had charts showing each one of these hidden harbors, coves, whatever, no buildings, no people, no nothing, just a place to hide. And it it gives how what direction you have to go to get into the harbor, how big it is, um, how deep the water is, what kind of bottom you have for your anchor holding, how tall the trees are, what's the closest uh, civilization. And uh, there was even a movie made about it starring John Wayne called Sea Chase. This was before the U.S. got into the war. And John Wayne was a German merchant skip commander 
stuck down there in the Tierra del Fuego trying to break out and get home to uh, Germany. And, of course, it's had to have the obligatory gorgeous woman who was falling in love with him and the obligatory uh, Gestapo guy trying to destroy everything. So that's a nice movie. Look it up. It's called Sea Chase, John Wayne. Uh, let's see. We have a nice chapter about Otto Scorzini, who was one of the toughest guys. He wanted to be a fighter pilot, but he was like, I think, six foot seven. That, that You can't squeeze him into a cockpit, which was just as well for Germany, I guess, because he was one of the toughest guys. He helped Mussolini escape. And uh, then after the war, he was down in Argentina. He was not a wanted, quote, war criminal, unquote. Um, and he was best buddies with Juan Perón. And he, um, how do you put it politely? He was banging Elvita. And then in 1947, when she went to Europe on her rainbow tour, he went with her. And somehow, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of loot, money, whatever, disappeared out of accounts controlled by Martin Borman and popped up into Juan Perón's accounts. Wow. And, yeah, and that's that's in parts of these books too. Perón and Borman were buddies. Borman did not die on the tank uh, by the train station. I know. They dug up the bones and, yep, DNA said that's Martin Borman. However, they had dug in that area years and years before and didn't find. And then suddenly somebody said, well, let's check again. Oh, looky, there's Martin Borman's body. Now, how did they even know to check DNA? Is he, was, by then, he's just a skeleton. Was he holding a little sign? Hi, I'm Marty. No, they proved definitely it was him. Yep, but they never explained the red clay in little niches in his bones. Now, I've been to Paraguay. There would never be Paraguay if there wasn't red clay. The whole country is red clay. Cars are covered with red clay dust. Houses are covered with red clay dust. The roads, the ground, everything is red clay in Paraguay, just like the red clay in Borman's bones. Golly. Absolutely. Have you thought about on... uh or maybe you've done it in the past. Have you uh, thought about going to the uh, grave where they dug up Borman over there in Paraguay? No, no. Uh, I'm looking now to get some money together for another expedition down there. I've got two friends in southern Brazil. They're doctors, madly in love with each other. Uh, the guy's an eye surgeon and very successful. The lady's an ob and they have dug up so much Third Reich history down there. But they both have practices. She's got a clinic. He's got he's an eye surgeon. They can't just say, well, sorry, I'm taking off two weeks to take Harry around here. So, and plus, there's some stuff I need from the Argentine Navy, and I'm trying to get some... Uh, permissions but they're being very quiet Uh, there's two things I need one 
when the two submarines U-530 and 977 surrendered in Mar del Plata, there was no paperwork of any kind aboard. They had thrown everything overboard, including the uh, ID cards from the crew, everything, no paper at all. Yet when I was there in, in 2008, they showed me two big storage boxes full of paper that they took off, documents they took off the boat. And my good friend Peter Hansen, which is about to turn 100 years old this month, in 1940s, he was a U-boat uh, officer, not a skipper. But in 1947, two years after the end of the war, uh, they sent him to Argentina to translate all the paperwork that was not on the boat. So when they showed it to me in 2008, they said I could come back any old time. Wow. They'd show it to me again. I, I could take pictures of it and everything. Well, now i got to get permission from the base commander, and he's being very quiet. Also, there was a situation where some Argentine anti-submarine ships got contact of not one but two submarines in a place called Golfo Nuevo. This is a, a, an ASW hunter's paradise. The water is only 300 feet deep. The entrance is only, uh, I think it's eight miles wide. And the whole um, gulf is only, I don't think it's even 100 miles wide. I'd have to look at the. But it's, you know, it's like the proverbial fish in a barrel. But they couldn't get these submarines. And it was in 1960, 60, mind you. Wow, and I remember, I remember well because I was in the Air Force at the time, and we were getting the news feeds because the U.S. Navy sent down some of their best submarine hunters and some of their best um, anti-submarine equipment and some of the new 600-pound Torpex torp- uh, uh, depth charges. They were going to get these submarines. Well, they didn't, and you know, inter-service rivalry. We're all laughing at. Uh, us guys in the Air Force were laughing well the Navy couldn't do it, they screwed up and I've seen sketches of these submarines and they were without question they were Type 21 German U-boats that Germany was trying to bring into the war in late 44 early 45 and there are photographs of them that people that they are locked up in the Argentine Naval Headquarters and I'm trying to get there and look at them, maybe take copies of them, but that admiral won't answer my letter either. And a friend of mine is a retired uh, commander uh, of the Argentine Navy, and he's trying to get the doors open, but ain't happening. So it it doesn't make sense to go down there for one or two things. you got to put a whole bunch of stuff, because the, the, the biggest cost is the airfare. And if you stay one week or four weeks the cost is not significantly more because the food is not expensive down there lodging right. <laughs> i've seen some of the places uh, one week is just picking them up and putting them down you need a couple yeah. of weeks down there set up a base camp and get her right. done down there um let me ask yeah. you a question uh back to those doctors for a moment sure and uh, also uh peter the man getting returned 100 years old was a officer on the u-boats um have you right. thought about it was also a he was also a spy later because he got wounded too badly to serve on the boats what about uh going down there and, and uh doing some uh video interviews with these people up to getting an update on uh camera i mean absolutely years old, he's not going to be around forever so if your opportunity nope. is getting slimmer by the day you've got to get him on camera again if you can 
Yeah, he might for me. But there are people who want uh, to interview him, like like Rents wants him on, and uh, and he flat out says, "Nope, I'm not going on." And I was over there oh, quite some years ago. Sure. And there was this uh, good-looking female journalist from ZDF, and uh, she wanted uh, to interview Peter. And I talked to him. He says, "Nope, absolutely not." So then she asked me if I would give her his contact information. I said, no, I ain't going to do that. I gave my word and to all these guys. I never give out anybody's contact stuff. She even offered to come back to my room and go to bed with me if I'd give her that stuff. I said, well, wow. it, it's very tempting, but wow. uh, I, I can't break my word. Well, I mean, we tried so, to get him on Omega Man. You tried on my behalf a couple times. He declined, but surely if anybody... Right. Uh, He'll let do it. You could go down and maybe do it in person. And um, yeah, well, bring... he's in Germany. Oh, he's in Germany. Okay, I was thinking he <laughs> he's was still in, in, in the states in Florida or something like that. Okay, he used to be many years ago. Uh, many years ago, because uh, we were living in Tampa at the time. That was thirty something years ago, and he lived in uh, South Miami, very upscale, very high. The guy's an incredible success. So whenever he'd have business in Tampa we'd meet for breakfast at some nice restaurant this guy was an officer of the old school my 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 son was just a little bucket baby at the time and peter stood almost at attention until my wife was seated and sean was settled in then he would sit down amazing old school officers class now you're going back over to germany uh could you extend and maybe interview him on this trip after your uh, itinerary is completed? Well, I suppose I could, but uh, I don't know what more I could interview him on. I've got piles and piles and piles of letters he sent me with him. Hmm. No matter what I ask him, he'll tell me. And he was a spy after he got shot up. Yes. And I think I think he was a spy after the <laughs> after the war too, but you know, I ain't going to say anything. Wow. Wow. And you know, and I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, a, a lot of these um very intelligent, high-ranking, high-ranking individuals um, uh, went to work for many of the governments around the world. Eastern yeah. Bloc. Oh, that's true. Germany, America, Russia, all over. Uh, you know, in fact, uh, the CIA absorbed many of these guys. Back to Otto Skorzeny. I saw a video. Yeah. You've probably seen the same one. Somebody got an interview with him uh, in maybe like two years before he died. And he's sitting like on down near uh, some like the ocean or body of water he was doing pretty well for himself at that point made me think when you were uh, reading some from the book history that um, do you think Avita was a sugar mama for him and he got some of that money um, I I, do, I wouldn't on? bet on it because he was hardcore military uh, he might have got a few bucks I don't know but Evita was just packing the money away in Juan Perón's account um uh, Peron and Borman had a joint account uh, in their own names in like 1945-46 and then in, I think it's in volume 6 of this, I'm not sure we list all the money that Borman brought over in, in US dollars, in, in pesos, pesetas, in Deutschmarks, pounds, pounds of diamonds, tons of gold 
just a staggering amount of money. And that's how all these guys down there, like Hitler, Bormann, Mengele, and so many more that are covered in these books, that's how they stayed safe because um, Peron was getting paid off. And, you know, people ask me, well, if, if because the FBI knew where he was and Hitler, they knew where he was. We've got copies of um, the FBI reports in our book, Hitler in Argentina, which is the one that proved he was in Argentina. Then a few other people copied my book. Uh, But they knew he was in Argentina. And then people ask me, well, why didn't they go after him? And I say, well, who's they? Uh, Well, the Mossad. Well, there was no Mossad in 1945. Um, well, what about Israel? No, there was no Israel in 1945 either. Israel didn't exist until, what, 48 or so. 48. Well, why didn't the FBI go after him? Well, about middle 1947, President Truman told the FBI, back off, stop looking for Hitler. Because I think the biggest problem, it would have taken an armed invasion, a military invasion, because this guy was so far inland, Hitler, he was far inland, right? and, you know, it was surrounded by heavy security, German security, on the lake where he lived, and also around the lake, heavy security, and as it turned out, as you read in one of, one of these volumes, I can't remember which, there was an attempt on his life. <laughs> there were, I think they said it was six guys in the little town nearby, which was San Carlos de Bariloche. Six guys spoke perfect German, but they weren't there for fishing, this huge, big, beautiful lake. And they weren't there for the skiing. That That's the Andes right there. And they weren't chasing women. So what were they there for? They couldn't figure it out. So they kept an eye on them and Aha, they found out these guys was a hit squad, Soviets, and uh, that the Soviets knew where Hitler was, and they sent this hit squad. So the guy they had to lead the uh, the defense of Enalco, which is Hitler's estate, was, uh, uh, what the heck the the fighter general Gallant uh, Admiral uh, yeah uh, Adolf Gallant who was a hundred and something proven credited shoot downs uh, he went to South America with two other uh, top notch pilots Hans Ulrich Rudel and Werner Bombach they were not wanted for anything and they rebuilt the entire Argentine Air Force so I think you got a point. The guys, there. say again. I think you have a point there because um, Perón um, protecting Hitler, uh, we would have had to have actually declared war uh, with Argentina, and um, yeah, we didn't want to get involved in that at that juncture. So it was better than that. Plus, we were we were scooping up all the German scientists that we could. Russia was getting some, but we were out doing it with Russia, right? And the U.S. was so tired of war by that point, 1947-ish. 
So anyhow, the defender, uh, the chief of the defense of Inalco, where Hitler lived, um, called in Adolf Galland, who was a three-star general, I believe. I know he was a general. Anyhow, he showed up with a few 7.62 caliber machine guns, and they laid out defense perimeter. And then 2 o'clock one morning, they got the word from the people in town that these guys had shoved off in a rubber boat. (laughs) And it's kind of funny, you know, but kind of sad, too, because these three guys, these six guys, I'm sorry, walked right into an ambush. They brought their little rubber boat up to about 100 feet offshore. Some of the guys went over the side, went swimming ashore, and just as they were stepping up onto the beach, they opened up with the machine guns and everybody was killed. So that, you know, that was in 1950-something, I think it was, they were coming to get him. So uh, the Russians were not so forgiving as the, as the U.S., I guess. But that's in one of the books. Now, not- let me ask you a question. Hitler had um, his own personal uh, guard, a special elite group of SS soldiers? like More, uh, more or less, yeah. Almost like, you know, President America has a Secret Service, right? They're assigned to him. Pretty much. Um, yeah, pretty much. And uh, we know of some of the uh, guys of, uh, who were picked up after the war and interviewed. One very famous guy, I forget his name now, he was worked in the bunker. Um, he's been interviewed a number of times. But my question is this, for those that got out of there and uh, made their way to South America, do you think um, any of those were part of uh, Hitler's original SS team or – would it just be whoever is available, uh, prior military, might be uh, hired to work these security details by uh, 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 operational, I mean, by the Odessa Group and Dear Spina? That's a good question. My own personal, not only my own beliefs, but also what I've been able to uncover. It was the people there, not the guys uh Brought in Scorzini, you know he was <clears throat> hanging around with uh, with Hitler, Peron, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and the three pilots, um, Rudel, Galland, and uh, Bombach were brought over to rebuild the air force. But there were um, there was a guy, uh, what the hell was it? Otto Mailing was his name. He moved down there to uh, the area Rio Negro area where Bariloche was. And this guy was a mountaineer. Jeez. I've been to his home. It's a kind of a plain, simple home, three or four rooms, something like that. On the side of a mountain, he climbed up the damn mountain with the board strapped to his back and built his house up there. And from up there, you can see almost the entire layout of that huge lake. But you can especially see the finger that went up to where Hitler's home was. And he had organized the spies and agents, whatever you call them, all around the lake. He started the Club Andino, which I guess means Andes, and that was a ski school. But it was all full of spooks. So you, you couldn't move there unless somebody saw you. And they saved Hitler from getting clipped. Until 1955, when Perón got kicked out of office in that bloody coup, and so all the guys from the Third Reich had to either go deeper undercover, 
or leave Argentina, which a lot of them did. Incidentally, in one of those books, I can't remember which one, uh, we've got pictures of Hitler at the Hotel Eden in Cordoba province uh, having tea with uh, the Eichhorn family who supported him with heavy, heavy amounts of money when he was just a rising politician. And the pictures were taken in 1947, two years after the suicide. He looked pretty good for a dead guy. This is amazing uh, research. We're live with Harry Cooper of SharkHunters.com. If you're just joining us, Harry, um, keep your place there in the book. But let me ask you a question about an alco. Um, any idea on when that place was constructed, and was it constructed specifically for housing Hitler? at the end of the war or did another family occupy it and then it was uh, procured for Hitler when the decision was made to move them out of uh, nope. Germany there, the plans for Hitler's escape started in 1943 a lot of people don't know that um, they were not only planned because by middle 43 it was obvious Germany was going to lose and so they started putting plans in place for a lot of the elite from the Third Reich to get out. Some didn't make it, you know, like Goering, etc. But lots of them got out, plus there were a lot of the movers and shakers from the business and industry world. They were getting their wealth out. And when Bormann got down to South America, he formed 750-something companies, some of which are still in business today. So <clears throat> they knew the, the the end was coming. They didn't know when. Some, well, Dernit said they have found, let's see if I can remember his words exactly, they have found an impregnable Shangri-La fortress for the Fuhrer. A lot of people think, oh, that means Argent- uh, Antarctica. No, it means Bariloche. And he uh, he got out, and Bormann got out, and whether he formed the, the Fourth Reich or an extension of the Third Reich, it all went down there. I've been down there to the graves of a lot of these people uh, that were Germans and suddenly had huge big corporations down there in Argentina. Back to your question, Mercedes of Argentina built in Alco with Mercedes money at the closing parts of the war it was allegedly a rest and recreation resort for their uh, big shots uh, corporate executives but none of them ever went there nobody lived there until Hitler moved in Hitler and Eva Brown got down there in uh, the winter of 1945 which was July Yep, seasons are reversed for down there. They rode the train as far as the end of the line, which was a a massive, huge uh, ranch, Estancia San Ramon, which was owned by Schomburg Lippa, I think it was. I'm not sure. It's in the book. (laughs) And they stayed there in one of the guest houses until springtime, which was November, December. And then they moved the rest of the way to Analco because there was no the train didn't go any farther. So 
they moved in at the end of 45, and they were the first person people to live there. They lived there until 55 when Juan Perón got kicked out. And then ownership changed back and forth. Nobody really lived there after that. Um, the biggest uh, or the longest time it was owned was by a guy named Trump. I think it was Trumzo. Um, and he was one of the big-time bankers in Argentina. And suddenly, all the money disappeared out of the bank, and so did he. He went to one of the other Latin countries. Uh, and so the places, I'm sorry, I've been there many, many times from 2008 onward. When I was there in 2008, it was in perfect shape. You could have moved in. Um the last time I was there was, I think, 2019, before the Kung Flu scandemic, and I had a small group. We stayed there, not in the main house because it had no electric, water, anything like that. But the guest house, we stayed there, and the, the main house where Hitler and Abel Brown lived was in really good shape. Uh, could have been brought back in no time. What's I just remarkable? got some recent pictures of it. The monsters wouldn't even live in it now. What's remarkable it's a disaster. is that big, uh, I don't know, like a bay window. I mean, it it, it looks just like uh, what he had up there. At, was it at Berchtesgaden? Garden? What was the name of his main estate up there in Austria? Uh, yeah, the Berghof. The Berghof, right. I mean, he had that massive window at the Berghof. Uh, yep. And I was thinking, shoot, I think they kind of uh, made a... A mini version of the Berghof out there. Um, also, look at the you know the wood. It's almost like uh, some of these uh, beautiful cabins that they build up in Alaska. You know, make out of wood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, beautiful architecture. Um, sadly, and this was uh, something that you found out a few years after you uh, first broke the story here to Mega Man Radio. You had found a um, a uh, compartment that led into the ground down to what looked like maybe an oil reservoir, a generator, and we were hoping that that was some type of uh, escape tunnel that led back to the main residence, but it didn't go all the way back there. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, we thought it might run from the uh, guest houses to the main house uh, or maybe over to the farm, but no. It was just a, an underground um, facility to store a huge big um diesel oil tank and and that was it what a story that'd be to find a bunker down there man (laughs) it it would have been great but i you know when when that goofy outfit that did hunting hitler claimed there were tunnels and bunkers how how can you have a tunnel for god's sake the water table's only a foot down because it's right on the shore of the lake you know that is true what kind of a yeah what kind of tunnel are you going to have so no there weren't any tunnels there were three guest houses one is still was still in business and that's where we stayed another one looked like it was still in great shape but uh the jungle had grown up around it to where it would have taken you an hour to go the 50 yards to get to it and the third one just collapsed we found little uh, i don't know what you call them but little man-made structures about six or so feet high with an indent made out of no, local stone that they put together with an indentation like maybe a religious icon 
would be in there. We found six of them way out in oh. the back. One was destroyed. A tree fell on it. Uh, but and and there was an old road there too that had been buried by by the jungle. We chopped our way through that. It's just, there is so much down there, Shannon. Uh, a couple of years before that, I went uh, with Martine up into Cordova. We're buzzing down this wide open four lane divided highway, almost like a almost like a super highway, except there were roads coming on and off every 10 or 20 miles and we're buzzing down a road forest jungle all along on the side all of a sudden he slams on the brakes and here's a little cut through the trees about 10 feet wide that's it we duck in there and there's an abandoned building looked like about six seven rooms then you go down this rut Road for about a quarter mile and through a tunnel that's only big enough for one car. You come out the other side, and it's beautiful pasture land. Wow. And we drove about two miles, and there's buildings. It had been a military compound that was in use way after the war ended, training German troops or Argentine troops. Um, there were caretakers there and they said no no you can't come in you can't come in ah but then when they found out i was a big time hollywood movie producer looking for a set to do a new blockbuster oh then oh yes come on in i didn't know what was going on i don't speak spanish and martin was telling them all this i'm big time movie producer wow the the orderly room is there the headquarters building is still there the lights are still on I went to the shower building uh, it still has running water still has hot running what, water what's the location There's, on this this is uh, uh, it, it, it's up in Cordova province okay it's there in Argentina in the north right? yes uh, that's the place um, was, the, was the footage I saw was a place where they had like a big pool also Yep, 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 yep. That's okay. it. Showers, a big Olympic-sized pool with yes. yeah, lots of shower uh, showers were working. Lots of little cabanas where people could change. Uh, what else was there? Now I have a theory. Well, if you're living yeah. Oh, down also there, the the little underground uh, chapel. Okay. Go ahead. So Hitler's down there to Nalco, and let's say uh, he was targeted, and they need to get him out of there. Uh, I think maybe. At that location, your best way of escape would probably be a seaplane on the ready. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a seaplane ramp at Inalco, uh, but it's it's gone to hell now. I mean, it, there's boards sticking up. That's about all you got left. Wouldn't that be interesting to find that plane if it was actually uh, maintained? Um, I'll tell you something else. You ever thought about taking a metal detector down there? I wonder if they hid any caches of weapons or anything like that out there. Who knows what you might find walking the grounds with a metal yeah. detector? Yeah, this <laughs> this character on television, Josh Gates, uh, 
expedition unknown or some right, wreck, right. you know I, I offered to help because they came out with something on u-boats a while ago and they're, they're we are the number one source of information yes. on the u-boats and they they screwed it all up so i i offered to help them at no charge never heard back from them so anyhow they're here's josh gates there at in alco he was the first one ever to come there yeah, this was five years ago. We've been coming there since 2008, but suddenly he's the first one. Amazing. And he was coin shooting. He had a metal detector. And, oh, oh, look here. Oh, he found a Nazi coin. Can't be a German coin. Got to be a Nazi coin. And, you know, there are people that have said that was suspicious because we found another place up in uh, north, up in the TBA, tri-border area, which the idiots from the hunting Hitler show said was uh, Hitler's abandoned house up there at, uh, in the tri-border area. No, it wasn't. It was a safe house for people to settle down for a, a little bit and then escape after Peron got kicked out. From that house you could see uh, to the west, you could see across the Paraná River and there's Paraguay. Ten kilometers to the east, there's Brazil. And these clowns from the Hunting Hitler show discovered this. They were the first person to ever discover it. This was in like 2016 or so, I think their show was. So we went there. <laughs> it was a state park, for God's sake. Open to the public since 1995. There's a big wooden signboard like you see in all the state parks with with a map. And it showed the location of this abandoned ruin. And and it was titled Borman's House. So we were there and we talked to the uh, uh, rangers, park rangers. They said that these guys from the Hunting Hitler show scattered German coins and little pill bottles around so they could find them on camera and claim, yep, Hitler was here and look at these pill bottles. He was a druggie. You know, that's called salting the area, and that just stinks. Harry, you're getting ready to go back to Germany. This is exciting. Um, will yep. you be taking your drone with you this time? No, not to Germany. Not to Germany. As a matter oh. of fact, some of the castles we're going to visit, they flat out say, no drones allowed. Really? Oh, but man. when I go to South America, yep, you betcha. Okay, because I'm hoping... You're going to be able to augment the research you've already done with some uh, bird's eye views of some things. You got to get up way high to see. Right. Um, it's exactly. So I'll be taking it to Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay, whatever, on South America. Now, folks, if you're just but, joining us, we're live with Harry Cooper of SharkHunters.com. And Harry, back to your book. What are you? Um, what are you reading from tonight? What am I reading from tonight? Which uh, you mean which, on this show? Yes. What is the What is the book that we've been uh, discussing? Some of the, the chapters in it. Uh, yeah. Well, we're we're already up to uh, volume number three here. I'm just picking some of the chapters to talk about. Oh yes, uh, that's what I'm talking about. So this book that we're right. discussing tonight, among other things, because I may take them off on rabbit trails off and do. Um, this is part <laughs> of a series that you've done. Where can people go to get these volumes that you've produced already? Uh, you can go to our website, sharkhunters.com, go to shop, go to books, and they're there. And you can either 
order with uh, PayPal or credit card. We even take checks. I know that's old fashioned, but we even take checks. And all our books are the same price twenty five bucks for the book and nine dollars shipping anywhere in the world. And the shipping ain't our idea. Uncle Sam gets into our wallet. As a matter of fact, it's costing us I think a little over ten dollars per book to ship it, but now you know, what the heck. In addition to getting the hard copy if they would like to, uh can they pay extra and get a uh, signature from the author? Well, first, yeah. First off, though, not hard copy. It's soft cover. Soft cover. We right. are looking, yeah, we're looking at maybe producing hard covers, but that's down the road a ways, yeah. If if a person wants it autographed, that's another $15. Not because I'm selling an autograph, but because we got to ship it here from the publisher for me to autograph it. Then we got to right. have somebody package it up and pay shipping back out. Whereas if it's not autographed, it comes direct from the publisher to the uh, customer and if anybody listening wants to order a book I don't know maybe I'm just in a good mood today but if anybody orders a book from us and says they got they heard us on your show I'll give them six month free membership how's that? Wow. And they get the magazine wow. yeah you get the magazine yes sir I do uh, let me tell you something this is a real bona fide magazine it is meaty uh Dozens of pages of content you're not going to find anywhere else. This is actually boots on the ground research that Harry has dug up over years of research. And um, look, there's even one of those issues that talks about actually the final resting place of Adolf Hitler. And uh, you'll never yeah, see that, that anywhere. Don't let anybody think that. Yeah, don't let anybody think they can buy that magazine and find out where he lives because we never. Well, never said where. Uh, I you, know where. I've, I've got it here, but ain't nobody. Let me nobody. just say, you've got more information uh, on that than anybody else has ever, ever uncovered. Although we don't know the, um, you know, X marks the spot. Although I was going to right. ask you, um, you mentioned on past episodes that um, programs like Odessa and, De- and Der Spinner, am I pronouncing that correct? Um, yeah. Are fact and not fiction. Uh, are those groups actually still active in the world post World War II? Yep. Yeah. Uh, today. Today, one of one of our members, who's a good friend of mine, uh, is a German, <coughs> and uh, he retired from Dispina, which is part of Odessa. Dispina means the spider or the spider web, and he retired a few years ago. And I said, "What are you? You're retiring? You're 46 years old?" And he says to uh, the the field agents who make it to retirement age there's only 13% of them make it so but now he's been recalled he's not in Europe anymore amazing uh, busy guy yeah wow do, do the- been, an, been an incredible help in my research telling me what to, where to look for the dead bodies figuratively dead bodies the places listen um, you are a historical researcher, as I am. Um, This stuff is intriguing to me. Uh, I've been interested in this story for a very long time. And then one day I got to to make contact with you, Brother Harry, and and, uh, get now more information than you'll get anywhere. Uh, And I'm so excited to, you know, to hear 
this information because we deserve to know the truth. You know, it's like one person said, let's give us the truth, let the chips fall where they may. Okay? Right. Everybody was in bed with everybody. Okay? Um, we're not looking to prosecute anybody. I mean, all these uh, people are just about dead now on both sides. Yeah. And yet, yep. even like JFK, um, still some 50 to 60 years later, uh, so much of the stuff is still classified, and we were supposed to have already had it all released back in 2017. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you can believe RFK. the government when they tell you something, right? Yes, I mean, you know, but what, what do they I'm, want I'm to I'm laughing about? because while while you're talking about this, uh, there was a guy named Charles Hyam who was uh, he was described as a bitchy biographer he did biographies on on the queen on the princess uh, elizabeth and uh, errol flynn and all sorts of guys people and he was a member of shark hunters and he realized that when rudolph hess flew over to scotland he was not a man man who stole an airplane for fun he was on a mission so he dug into it and yes of course we know hess was on a mission because hitler had tried over 20 times to stop the war with churchill before the u.s ever got into it and churchill kept the war going and churchill was a real bastard he kept the war going so Hitler decided that Rudolf Hess should fly over to Scotland and bail out over the grounds of the uh, the Duke of some damn thing or another who was a cousin to the king. And this way, Hitler figured, they could get the peace proposal to the king right? who would override Churchill. Well, of course, MI6 did their job. They found out what was going on. And we ran a story many, many, many years ago. Two Polish fighter pilots uh, in the RAF were flying Spitfires, and they were scrambled late one night. There was a plane coming over by itself from France. So they scrambled, and it was an ME-110. They swung in behind it and were just about to pull the trigger when they got the abort order from the ground because they finally realized down on the ground who that was. That was Rudolf Hess. Amazing. Uh, and they wanted to capture him when he bailed out. They didn't want to shoot him down because he was great propaganda. And that's how it happened. Okay, so uh, Charles Hyam somehow had gotten files that were supposed to be locked up forever royal files oh and he and i were yeah we were in conversation quite a bit he lived out in california and uh, at los angeles and um, he was so excited he had all this stuff and every week or so we were talking about how his uh how he was proceeding and finally one evening he called me he was so excited the book was done the manuscript was packed up along with all his backup material packed up and it was going off to his publisher the next morning damned if he didn't wake up dead the next morning and all Uh his stuff had disappeared wow oh my goodness Uh, not even a family member had a copy squirreled away somewhere I never heard of any other copies I would have loved to have had a copy of that myself but then I'm I'm getting used to breathing you know I I don't want to be flying on Prigozhin Airlines well let me ask you this question. That's actually uh, a very interesting sh- subject. Rudolf Hess, um, 
he's the only prisoner over there at this uh, prison. Spandau. Spandau. And at the very end, he supposedly, you know, like 92 or something, hung himself. No, they went in there. I believe SAS went in there and broke his neck is what happened. And, uh, no, they hanged him. We uh, ran a story about that many years ago. We even named the uh, two SAS guys that went in. Now, do you think, in retrospect, this was probably because uh, if he had been able to be interviewed and speak, that he would have uh, spilled the beans on his relationship with the uh, crown prince who was uh, pro-Nazi? Was that Edward? King Edward? Yeah, he became... He became the king. So you uh, think? No, he got. He was the king, and then he had to abdicate. Uh, that was Edward the Eighth. Yes. He had to abdicate because he married the uh, two-time divorced American commoner uh, Wallace Simpson. Was this and to protect Queen Elizabeth and the Crown from having some of their dirty laundry aired, possibly? Oh, there's no question that. I don't know if it was Queen Elizabeth, but it was to protect the crown, the whole works. Right. Because let's remember, the crown even today sits on a German head. Those are all Germans. That's from the House of Saxe, Coburg, and Goethe, and they just changed the name, making it the House of Windsor after, around World War One, because the three guys in World War One, the Kaiser, um, the Tsar, and the King of England were all cousins. Oh, wow. Well... To, to bring uh, the current right into this, uh, who's okay? Prince Andrew, okay, uh, Randy Andy, the one that uh, came up in the picture, the notorious picture of Epstein Island with some underage girl, and right. uh, you know there was a payoff in the tunes of millions, uh, basically to keep him out of court and settle that thing. Well, I read an article just today before the show that uh, there was. A uh, author who said, "Next task on my list is I'm going to write a book and uh, talk about this whole scandal involving him." <laughs> oh my goodness! Only to find out that an order came down from the government stating all matters relating to this, and you know, uh, freedom for information requests, you know, the equivalent of that in Britain, are sealed for right. seventy years. And yeah. the guy says, you know. Uh, it, that's not right, you know, 70 years. But, and then they talk about the, actually the, the privilege of the, the queen. The queen, uh, it's, uh, there's not any time cap on it. It's it's forever. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, they know how to hide those secrets over there. And they have a vested interest in you and I not knowing the truth. I believe that was even the case right. when Princess died. I believe she was murdered. And, of course, our friend, Lawrence DeMello, knows a lot about that one. Um but I heard too, and I don't remember the guy's name, but there was one of the guys that worked at the Spandau prison, and he had an opportunity probably to, to see Hess as much as anybody. Didn't he also have suspicions about Hess being murdered and was going to try to write a book uh, as well? Or maybe he did write a book. Uh, I don't know, but um, definitely this guy was murdered. Hess went to the grave with a lot of secrets. <laughs> yeah. Just as an other, uh, you have to look back. I was I was um, in my thirties, I think, something like that, yes, when this all went down. Mm-hmm. And 
after everybody else got released out of Spandau, Hess was the only guy in there. And he was being guarded every three months by a different one of the victorious allies, the U.S., the Brits, the French. Uh, I think they were in war, and the Russians. And the Brits, the French, the Americans kept saying, my goodness, kept saying, uh, let this guy out. There's no sense having this uh, place open just for one prisoner. And no, the Russians kept saying, no, 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 yet, yet. And finally, one day, the Russians said, okay, we'll let him out. And at that point... To a, to a dummy like me, I would think that means you go in and unlock the door, give him some civilian clothes and a couple of hundred uh, Deutschmarks, and tell him, go catch the bus and get out of here. No, the Brits were the ones controlling Spandau that three-month period. And they you, could, you couldn't just unlock the door and let him out. They had all sorts of procedures, whatever. Oh, yeah. And one day, this, this old man who was so crippled with arthritis he couldn't raise his arms above his waist, he reached over his head. He was so happy he was getting out, he tied a, a lamp cord around a beam and then around his neck and hanged himself, even though his ar- arms wouldn't reach up that high, and he was so happy to be getting out. Well, right. if they'd have had a jacuzzi, they would have said he drowned in his jacuzzi. So, <laughs> um, swimming. Uh, interesting, a lot of these drowning accidents, uh, one of the former butlers of Obama he drowned his in about chef. 8 foot of water and he's about 6 foot tall um, his, that was his chef his chef <clears throat> absolutely the chef they and he was going to write a book I, I, I read um, speaking of books uh, a couple wild card questions and then I'll give it back to you uh, in your, <laughs> wild card okay in your time uh, researching much of this uh, of course you probably remember the book I had to look his name up by Paul Manning on uh, Martin Borman that came out oh, in the 70s. Borman, yeah. Now, I never read the book, but I heard a little bit of the story that when Paul Manning went to uh, to print, uh, he had a hard time finding a publisher, and finally the publisher that took right. him on um, got attacked and had his leg broken. and then Got his leg broken, right, and I think... I, I don't remember. I, I researched this a while ago. I think his son was killed, but I'm yes. not positive. No, that's true. His first son was murdered. And okay. um, I don't know if it was his book or if it was um, Ladislas Farago, if I'm pronouncing that right. One of these guys. They were Ladislas Farago. They were talking about uh, back in the late 60s, even early 70s, uh, they were in touch with Martin Borman and his organization, and at one point in time, they almost had an interview with Martin Borman. Did you ever hear that story? I've heard about it, but that's that's as far as it went. I was just curious. As for a lot of Slash Farago, let me go off on a tangent for a sec. Okay. You'll read about him in the next issue of the magazine, which will oh. be coming out in about a week. Okay. Who was he? Was he an Argentine researcher or Brazilian or something? Spanish? No, people? no, no. Uh, he was from uh, one of the uh, Eastern European countries, I think. But he went to work. Uh, uh, he was working with the uh, with the U.S. He, his, one of his first books was the Tenth Fleet. You know, our Tenth Fleet in the U.S. Navy had no ships, no boats, no airplanes. The Tenth Fleet was all spooks. Wow! And he wrote about the Tenth Fleet. He also wrote about uh, some of the guys in South America. I, I'm just spitball in there. I'm not absolutely certain about which one, where, when, whatever. 
There was a book that, uh, when I researched, he wrote called The Aftermath. Um, and again, I haven't read read these books. I have a hard time sitting down to read anything except the Bible. I have so. I mean, I have people say, "Can you read my book?" And I'm like 30 years behind. So, if someone <laughs> sends me a book, unless it's Harry's book, okay, now I will make an exception for that. Um, speaking of books, um, you've written a trilogy on uh, Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun. Is that right? Or is it well, actually it's four books now? That's called the Hitler Escape series. The biggest one, of course, is Hitler in Argentina. That's the bestseller we got. Okay. And it proves absolutely, without a doubt, Hitler and Abel Brown got away to Argentina. Uh, the next one was Hitler and the Secret Alliance. You know, people are saying, well, how can all these people get down there? Thousands, tens of thousands got down there. And we explain how, in this book, Hitler and the Secret Alliance, we also have photos in there for instance uh, there's one of Mengele on the front veranda of uh, can't remember the guy's name but he was a big kahuna a very important German down there and there were uh, three guys Mengele was one of them and then I took a picture of the very same house when I was down there a few years ago it looks exactly the same and so we do that with a lot of the guys who escaped and went down there, the before and after photos of the house and the street address. We list the street address. Amazing. So th- those two books are, are just should be required reading for every history student because it tells the way it really was, not the fiction that we're taught. Now, speaking of Martin Borman and Mingale. Um, we know there was a cover-up on both of them. And um, yeah. this uh, body that was found, in the uh, found they said, in Berlin, but was actually brought in from Paraguay with red clay in it, that was Martin Borman, correct? Um, yeah. Where did they find Mingale's remains? Did they find those two and bring those back? That, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I, I just don't know. I forgot about that one because, of course... We know he was in Brazil when they when they said he uh, apparently died of a, a stroke or a heart attack at the beach in what about 1980 and uh, something like that. Supposedly, though, there were some letters found uh, uh, with some kind of raid with some of the people that he stayed with, and uh, there's a rumor that he lived even another two years beyond that. And that was yeah. Some I don't know about death. the letters, but I know there was a. Uh, a magnificent uh, old, old uh, resort in Paraguay. Yes. <laughs> in Paraguay with the name the Hotel Tyrol. And that was one of his bases. And the owner shoved Mangala out the window into the jungle in his underwear when six Mossad agents were coming in the front gate of the uh, resort. And uh, these. I, I think it was right after they grabbed Eichmann and they figured they'd have another coup but Eichmann did not have protection uh, no defenses, no money no, and they grabbed Eichmann easily but when they went to get Mengele these uh, six Mossad agents had their throats slashed and dumped in the jungle so that was uh, oh, where Mengele was speaking of Mossad oh. agents 
Uh, did you release yeah. in one of these recent books, Rose, in the magazine that you do, about another Mossad agent um, who was killed in a, um, a mountain oh, the climbing? fall off the cliff. Right. Can you give us any details on that? Yeah, that was in uh, one of the recent magazines. It's also in one of the uh, one of the six volumes. I don't remember which of Hidden Secrets of World War Two. Yeah, this she was a, a beautiful twenty year old Jewish girl at Auschwitz, and Mengele was a very powerful guy at Auschwitz. So he had her sterilized. Wow! And he was just using her as a sex toy hmm. all the time she was at Auschwitz well then war ended everybody went different directions she became a nurse and uh, Mangela was down in South America and <laughs> this nurse was with a, a handful of her Jewish friends just happened to wind up in San Carlos de Bariloche who the hell goes back in those days who ever heard of San Carlos de Bariloche let alone popping up so she was at a dance and she and Mengele made eye contact and then the two of them disappeared and then uh, a couple of days later she and her friends were mountain climbing and she just fell off the mountain to her death. Wow. And they didn't find her body for about three or four days. According to the local papers, she was just an unlucky mountain climber. But according to the Jewish Times, she and her friends were actually a Mossad hit squad coming to get Mangala. Ama- so, amazing. Amazing. She, she paid the price. Now, and I'm not saying what's right, what's wrong. I'm just saying what what happened. Sure, you like it or not, I don't care. But uh, you can love Hitler, hate Hitler, don't give a damn who Hitler is. I'm just telling the history. Well, we deserve to know the truth. Yeah, now, the Word of God says the truth will set us free, and uh, we're st- we're still being lied to. I think that uh, we want to take it <laughs> to present. Uh, look, look at this uh, new Kung Flu version two that they're trying to whip up and scare people and they want to force us all to put those blasted masks on to hell with that and, and they're going to start locking us in our homes again like last time right around election time I say hell no to that um, hey I live in Florida our governor greatest governor ever in any state blocked all that stuff I'm, I'm really disappointed with him though running for president his job is here Absolutely, I, there's, it's undeniable. He's uh, the best uh, governor you could you could have. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That uh, done even more than uh, Texas. I mean, he he stood against this cabal, uh, yep. Fauci and the rest, which uh, you know they have been uh, hurting us all for far too long. Right, and to hell with it. Uh, listen. The minute I get word that they forced my six-year-old son Jeremiah to wear a mask in school, I'm pulling him out. And yeah. half of the kids are already wearing masks. We know masks don't work, but I will not allow right. my child to do it. And I may have to start homeschooling soon. And a lot of us uh, in America and around the world that know the truth are pissed off, and we're not going to take it anymore. Uh, certainly don't yeah. be taking none of these uh, kung flu vaxes because they change your DNA. That's what they That's do. That's right. Turn you into a walking hybrid if they don't kill you first, because these are bioweapons. And they have killed That's a million right. people, killed uh-huh. my grandfather. Uh-huh. 
He didn't take it. But when we had to rush him to the emergency room, they gave him rendizivir. Ooh. Which just was the kill was the kill shot, basically. And uh, Fauci basically, yeah. created that just like he did AZT for AIDS. And people that took it, AZT, their faces were melting off. Uh, these yeah. two drugs will kill you. And that's the plan. They want to get us down to like 5.5 million worldwide. These bunch of jackasses from hell. Well, let me get back on subject here. Five hundred million, I think. Yeah, it's it's uh, the deep decarbonization program. My my friend, who's uh, an active agent for Dispenis, said that's absolutely what they're doing. They want to get it down to half a billion people. Well, now, that was what uh, what the hell's his name there? Uh, the guy with the uh, with the girlfriends that that killed Sharon Tate, and uh, that was uh, his idea. Manson. Um, Charles Manson. Manson, yeah. He was going to pit the whites against the blacks, and when there was only a, a few hundred million blacks left, because they would have wiped out the whites, he was going to be their leader, and that was his uh, his idea. You know, helter-skelter, but you know, he was now insane. you got people like Gates of Hell and uh, some oh, yeah. of them other people. Bunch of jackasses. Uh, you're right, it was Very 500 wealthy. million. Uh, with the Georgia Guidestones, yeah. but I heard an update on that. Uh, that's too much. They want to get us down even lower. Somebody's saying 5.5. You know, listen, when they want to reduce aye, aye. carbon emissions, they're just not being forthcoming. That that <laughs> includes humans because we all exhale carbon dioxide. And yep. uh, we must so go to plants in the daytime. Absolutely. Um, Back to the hey, subject at for, hand. Let, let me interrupt again for a second. While I'm in Germany in, in a few weeks, yes. I'm flying to uh, uh, Estonia, and I'm looking up the different airlines, and they give all the normal stuff, departure time, landing time, time in the air, etc., and yeah. they tell how many uh, kilos of carbon dioxide this plane is going to give off in the flight. I don't give a damn what the plane's going to, you know, go to China and then come back here. And and thank God you're here, not in China. They wear masks over there because you can't breathe. Oh, yeah. Uh, And and you come out of your hotel, you can't see two blocks down the road because the air is brown and your throat's on fire, right? I spent two weeks over there. Beautiful country. Wow. Nice people. Great traditions. But they're building coal-fired electric plants, and they're building coal-fired steam locomotives all the time. You know, that's an interesting uh, point you made. I wonder why they've never been big on nuclear power over there. They like that coal, don't they? You would think. Apparently so. They probably got a lot of coal, so it's cheaper. Nuclear power, when it's handled safely, is the best bet. I was was working with nuclear weapons when I was in the service. Absolutely. Nuclear power... It's the best. I Absolutely. mean, you don't have to worry about the wind blowing or the sun shining. It's just working all the time, and it's cheap. Uh, well, what can I say? Well, since our last program, uh, I'm glad that I just remembered this. Uh, the movie Oppenheimer came out. and uh, Oh, yeah. I was just talking to someone just yesterday who was talking, uh, who was writing about the fact that, uh, you know, America basically got to jump on everybody and created the bomb but i said not so fast um <laughs> yeah we need to give credit where credit was due now would you back me up on this or correct me if i'm wrong did not germany create the first atomic 
weapon. Maybe they just didn't have the throw weight uh, or the aircraft developed yet by the Horton brothers to bomb Manhattan. But the point is, hadn't they already tested once or twice an atomic bomb, had the enriched uranium ready, and had the 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 bomb before the Manhattan Project? What do you think about that? Or did America do it first? No, America didn't do it first. Another one of our members, Robert Wilcox, also lives in Los Angeles. Uh, he wrote a book many years ago called Japan's Secret War. And in there he indicated that Japan test-fired their first weapon, nuclear weapon, one week before we test-fired our first one. And uh, as I said, my career field was nuclear and thermonuclear weapons. And uh, six months intensive schooling in that stuff. And the first couple of weeks, we saw movies about the Manhattan Project and all the rest of that. And our scientists were having a tough time. The biggest problem they were having was getting all the detonators to fire at the exact same zillionth of a second. To get a nuclear blast, you have a ball of enriched uranium maybe the size of a big orange or a small grapefruit, surrounded by 64 shaped charges of Comp B and Baritol. Yes. And they all have to detonate at the exact same zillionth of a second to crush in and create critical mass, because if one detonates a zillionth of a second too soon or too late, you got nothing but junk flying around. So the submarine U-234 surrendered at the end of the war, and came to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and they don't, I'm told they don't show anything about that submarine in the movie at all, and yet Oppenheimer went on board that submarine, because in addition to everything else, it was carrying 560 kilos of uranium. Now, it's listed as uranium oxide, which would be yellow cake, Okay. but uh, people who were there Said, one of them was one of our members who's since passed away. Um, they said this uranium was in gold-lined stainless steel flasks. You don't put yellow cake and stuff like that. And besides, 560 kilos comes out to about 1,200 pounds, I think, something like that. That's not a hell of a lot because uranium is twice as heavy as lead. Okay. Approximately. So then the fun part, what happened to this 560 kilos? Uh, you can't even submit a FOID request to have the documents unsealed because there are no documents. Wow. What happened to it? It, it just evaporated. Nobody knows where that uranium went, uh, and there's no paper trail, so you can't can't even ask for a FOID release, but it's generally believed by the by my, myself too that it wound up being dropped over Hiroshima. That's incidentally that's not Hiroshima. That's some dumbass liberal changed so the pronunciation. Was there a technology transfer going on? Uh, Germany built the bomb, but they were shipping this. Um uranium over to Japan along with I think a couple of their um, new state of the art uh, jet fighters Um, yeah there was so much on board this submarine U-234 it had been a type 10B which was a mine layer which was the biggest biggest uh, submarine that 
Germany made. So they had it re- reconfigured. They took out all the mine tubes so they had storage. And they had one or two, I forget which, ME-262 jet fighters on board in crates, all taken apart, ready for the Japanese to put them back together. All the technical data, and the same, I think, for uh, for the ME-163 Comet rocket fi- uh, fighter. They had a Luftwaffe lieutenant general with his staff going to Tokyo, because this boat was supposed to go to Tokyo. And they were going to restructure the Luftwaffe attache staff over in Tokyo. They had a fleet judge who was going to preside over trials of German spies over there, including Richard Sorge, except the Japanese realized he was a spy and they hanged him before the Germans could do it. Uh, so they, they had so much stuff on board. And they also had a guy who was one of the world's experts in infrared triggers Amazing. for nuclear weapons. And suddenly our scientists got real clever and the bomb was working. And this guy was Dr. Heinz Schlicker, who became a member of Shark Hunters later on. He was in charge of the Trinity project if you remember back in your high school history right where they had a 300 foot high tower and they put a nuclear device up there he was the guy in charge of it by the way oppenheimer movies sucked uh as a documentary uh gives some of the backstory and what his own personal life was like that was okay but uh in terms of the uh, uh the bomb and detonation and so forth i mean it was a real disappointment. I thought it was going to be much more action than I saw in the film. Um, yeah. So, I, I didn't go see it. I, I rarely go to movies anyhow, but this one just didn't strike me as it was going to be very interesting at all. And from what I've heard from others, it just wasn't all that exciting. And uh, sadly, we didn't get the, the true story and give credit where credit was due. Um, now, I'm glad that... Uh, <laughs> not, not from Hollywood. I'm glad Germany didn't get the jump on us and nuke us. I'm just saying. But, I mean, come yeah. on, let's give credit where credit is due. Some amazing German scientists. Um, and I've heard, too, that uh, there appears to be a lot of research that's come out that um, Germany had a number of centrifuges. And uh, their project was very well developed. Given a little bit more time, we would have been a goner. Because uh, who was the head of the Luftwaffe? What was his name? Uh, Goring? Goering. Goering. That's Goering. right. Goering. Hermann Goering. Didn't he give an order to the Horton brothers to start work on a, a massive stealth fighter that would uh, be able to hit, hit Manhattan with a bomb? Well, that was supposed to be the uh, Ju three ninety. Okay, the one you know they only had they only built three of them, and the third one wasn't complete when the war ended. And uh, the second one, which was V V two, they call them V one, V two, V three, which had nothing to do with the rockets. That's just what they named them. Uh, v two was um, three meters longer than V one, so it had more fuel area, and that's the one that took Hitler down to South America. He did not go on U five three zero a submarine. Um, first off, the guy was incredibly claustrophobic. He got seasick at the drop of a hat. And the skipper of U-530 was a member of Shark Hunters. We wrote back and forth, and he swore on his uh, honor as a gentleman and an officer. He had no passengers on board. Hitler, Eva Brown, nobody on board. So, And he later said that 
the two submarines that surrendered in Argentina, U-530 and 977, was the best uh, detraction from Hitler's plane landing in Uruguay because everybody was sure Hitler was on one of these two submarines and they're going nuts but uh, I was at the place where the plane landed in Uruguay and I interviewed people and there's no question that big plane landed there and allegedly it was taken apart by the by the workers there that night and the remains all dumped into the river right next to it well this thing was the size of a 757 to think a bunch of unskilled untrained farmhands could take that thing apart right in one night and and then throw all the remains into the river which they've never found any remains in the river now so was... again my friend the spy yes who's with the spinner yes he said that plane flew on down to or up to paraguay and was in operation with the Paraguayan uh, military until 1966. And it had been stored in a hangar. And I said, whoa, tell me where to find it because, you know, I I can play stupid. I I go into places in Germany, and even though it says Eingang Verboten, which I think means Harry's welcome here, when I'm caught by a cop, I just go into my best down yonder hillbilly. Well, go, Lee Constable, I I didn't know. Please show me out of here. Uh, he said, down there in Paraguay, it's it's on a private estate with guards that, with orders to shoot to kill. Amazing. So, okay. Uh, so I'm not going to try that one. A JU-390 that took Hitler over yep. to Uruguay? So he went from yep. Uruguay to Paraguay, and then um, did he spend any time in Brazil, or did they take him right over to Argentina? No, no, no. He went. Uh, he landed in Uruguay, and they put him on a train right away to uh, uh Estancia San Ramon, which is on the, not far from Inalco. It's in uh, pa- Patagonia. And when I was there the first time in 2008, I went to the Estancia San Ramon and talked to the estate manager. He was a young, <laughs> everybody's younger than me. He was about 40-ish, spoke excellent English with a German accent and I always like to go on the soft easy questions first and then come out with the one that uh, I really want to know so we're talking and he's answering questions general pointless and then I I looked at a, a whole row of guest houses and I said which one of the guest houses did Hitler and Eva Brown stay in when they were here in 1945 this guy never batted an eye You'd think he would have said, well, I'm only 40 years old. That was before my time. No, his answer was, I have been instructed. I must not speak about that. Wow. Yeah, that, wow. that said said volumes. Okay, now here's a million-dollar question. Um, we're t- we started a program talking about Analco tonight, and this is located in um, San Carlos de Bariloche area. Of Argentina, yeah, yeah. People say it's uh, by San Carlos de Bariloche, but it's not. It's about sixty kilometers away. Okay. It's close to a, a little little village called uh, Visha. That's V I L L A. To any other Spanish speaking, that would be Via. But in Argentina, with their Castellano Spanish, that's Visha Langastura, which is about ten kilometers away. It's a beautiful little village. Uh, about 10 clicks from Hitler's estate. Okay, here's my question then. Uh, why 
have a number of American presidents, even up to and including <laughs> Barack Obama, made trips over there. Uh, was it just a sightseeing trip? Uh, or is there a command and control structure still operating that they're taking instructions from? What do you think? Uh, yeah, that that area where they went is by Bariloche, San Carlos de Bariloche. There is an incredibly magnificent resort there called Shao Shao. <laughs> and again, it's the funny way they pronounce things down there. It's L-L-A-O, L-L-A-O. How they get Shao Shao out of that, I don't know. But that's what it's called. Magnificent place. I've been there several times. I can't afford to stay there. But whenever I bring a group down, we go there for lunch. Now that's uh, or um, for snacks. That's not a quick flight, is it? I mean, isn't that way out of the way? Takes an oh, effort. Oh yeah, to get there? you got to get down to Buenos Aires first, and then from Buenos Aires to Bariloche, it's about another three or four hour flight. It's seven hundred miles southwest of uh, Buenos Aires. Now the first one there was Eisenhower, nineteen sixty, during his administration. Then later comes. Jimmy Carter I don't know if he realized he was there Jimmy Carter was always getting lost he might have thought he was in Atlanta who knows but Jimmy and Rosalind Carter were there during his administration Bill and Hillary Clinton were there during their administration and Obama and his wife Big Mike were there during his administration and we've got pictures of all of them and they're they're in one of these books too. What are they doing there? <clears throat> Good question. Good question. According to my friend the spook again, he said there's a contract, a treaty, whatever that has to be resigned. Between really? who? I don't know. Wow. Very interesting. Um Yeah, and this place, like I say, Shao Shao, is incredible. It's magnificent. But there's incredible, magnificent places a lot closer to home. Why do they go down here into the into the outback of uh, Argentina? It's out in in in, in Patagonia. It's a, a outside, except for Bariloche, which has turned into a big tourist town of about 150,000 people. Other than that, there ain't a damn thing down there. It's Pampas, place to raise cattle. Very interesting. Why? Who are they meeting with down there? Uh, some of the world elite, like, you know, who meet over there at the uh, World Economic Forum up there in Davos, Switzerland. Um, uh, now, let me ask you a final question here, and then I want you to give information out on your website and what you offer. Harry, right. um, if you had to put together a list of uh, some things that you want to investigate and find the answers to, what are you looking to uh, research next? That you know the bucket list, if you will. What do you want to find <laughs> the answers to that you have not already? Uh, that's a big, big bucket question. Yes. Um, the Third Reich in South America, which you know, if I had unlimited funds and three or four years, I might be able to get it done. But and then, of course, I'd want to go to where. Hitler's crypt is, but it's guarded by now the the grandsons of the SS. But I've been told the password to get in. Someone said that he was in the, they built a special crypt and then they walled it up 
uh, underground in a famous hotel. Is that true? No. Uh, that from a guy named Abel Basti. Right. Uh, and he he also one. said that he's uh, in a church in Asuncion, Paraguay. <clears throat> however, however, nope, I ain't buying it because I got all the directions and everything. It's in a safety deposit box. If anybody's going to come here, break in and steal it. It ain't here. It's in the bank. Wow, wow. Uh, If you wanted to go and see it, uh, do you have contacts that would take you there? No. Okay. Uh, I had a... My my number one agent, uh, who we called Pizarro, he was in an incredible researcher he went these places he met these people this was in the 60s and <laughs> there's a little cafe in a little town outside of munich germany il casale which is italian means the castle he and i just like <laughs> just like james bond movies we would meet in a quiet little table way in the dark back corner and he'd hand me packets of information and photos and uh, he gave me the information on that too. I had to swear that I would not divulge it to anybody and I have not. Wow, wow. Um, is it uh, is it in a warm place or some have said it's in some type of ice cave? Is it bigger than a bread box? <laughs> um uh, was the body interred or was it cremated? Can you tell that? Not cremated. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, what else would you like to, to do? And I'd like to win the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you think you're going to have some research that will take you back into, uh, into again, Paraguay or maybe even go over to Chile? Yeah. Have you ever been to Chile? I've, yeah. There's a place similar to Shao Shao just across the border into Chile I forgot the name of it uh, but there were birthday celebrations for Hitler way after the end of the war all the way up uh, and they were in the open all the way up until 1995 when uh, uh, what the hell is his name that uh, Otto Skorzeny when he was no 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 that that American uh, reporter with the fiberglass hairdo uh, anyhow, he went down there and suddenly outed all the guys oh. uh, who were down there. In Paraguay, and, right? Uh, Paraguay and in Bariloche. He started in Bariloche. Right. Uh, he was a, a, what the hell was his name? He was a newscaster. Yes. Uh, Dan, but, no, uh, not, I remember, I know you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and then he got into trouble. Um, another one of our members at the time, Senator Al D'Amato went after this newsman because there were financial irregularities. And that's as far as we'll go on that. So, um, you know, if if we look at Colnia Dignidad being in Chile, uh, yeah. I, I have to think that maybe others settled there too, or do you think that was just an isolated situation? Was there more more people there that got in there just as they did Paraguay and Brazil and Argent, you know, Argentina there were a lot more uh, there were German colonies all over South America and um, but Colonia Dignidad was unique 
you couldn't get in it was well armed they had machine guns they had everything but then some years ago when schneider who was the guy who was in charge of everything he got uh, brought up on pedophilia charges yeah now whether that's true or whether they just conspired to get him out of power one way or the other he was out of power and now it's a nice quiet german community that is not protected with machine guns but there are German communities all over um, when I was there in Paraguay with the two doctors um, we went into a German town named Hoanau and oh yeah uh, yeah we <laughs> we had well, a great meal at the uh, the Edelweiss uh, restaurant it's a hell of a Spanish name Edelweiss but that's the area that uh, uh, Borman, I think, spent his last days, and Mingley visited him to try to treat him of cancer over there somewhere. Stomach of- cancer, yes, yeah, stomach Coming cancer. Out. I've I've been told. Yeah, but back in those days, if you had cancer, you were toast. Are there places though still over there um, that uh, you could actually be in physical danger? Um, if you went into a, a particular location because um, there are still uh, people there SS? trying to protect the secrets. Yeah, SS. Uh, I've been told that, yeah, but I have not I mean, I've heard, for example, avoided. There, there may be other enclaves, uh, sort of like Colonia Dignidad, where yeah. uh, you know, a community of SS still live there to this day. And uh, yeah. But I've never gone any place where I felt really threatened. Uh, when I was there, oh, 2016, I think it was. We were in, uh, I think it was in Uruguay. Um, uh, I'm not, yeah, I think it was Uruguay. There was this uh, one big name SS guy. His last name I think was Wambach, something like that. He was a big guy, and um, he was ducking around and the uh, the Mossad got him and murdered him in his home and stuffed his body in a trunk in his home and he was there for three weeks before anybody wondered what the smell was and when Martin and I were going there, Martin was getting directions from a cop and uh, Martin comes back and he said well the police officer gave me directions but he said it's in such a dangerous area even the police won't go in there I said well nobody will expect us then let's go so we went in I photographed the house another place that's supposed to be very dangerous is where um, Eichmann's house was his house was a little thing about 20 feet by 20 feet square and uh, the famous or infamous house on Garibaldi Street. Wow! It doesn't exist anymore. It's been torn down, and there's nothing but a but an empty lot with with a building on either side of it, and the front and back are walled off with chain link fence. So there's, you can't go there, but there's nothing there but rubble. And that was supposed to be a dangerous area too. Amazing. And every time I'd pick up my camera to take pictures. It, Martin would say, don't let people see your camera. They'll steal it. Yeah, well, how am I going to take pictures? Right. So, Right. Uh, Speaking of pictures, as we're preparing (laughs) to close, um, I want you to tell people uh, how they can join the Shark Hunters organization, uh, get some of these books. And do you also have pictures for sale uh, by some of these historical 
people you met over the years that are signed, autographed? Yes, absolutely. Tell us about um, that. They can go, go to sharkhunters.com and uh, you can go to shop, then books if you want to see the books, or shop and then, uh, well, let me look here, see if it's up there. We've been moving it around a little bit. Okay. Uh, Oh, I can't because I don't have any internet because it's plugged into this other computer that I'm talking to you on. But we do have autographed photos of some of the uh, some of the really well known guys, and many that are not well known. Um, Eric Top, the third most successful submarine commander, uh, Thompson. If you remember the movie Das Boot. They portrayed him as the drunk passed out on the floor of the bathroom. It wasn't true, but that was how they portrayed him. And many, many, many other people. Um, I don't know if that's up yet. We're getting ready to repost everything as soon as I get back from Europe. And that'll be in time for Christmas. And we're going to be doing calendars with photos of U-boat guys. Also calendars with Luftwaffe guys and also calendars with... SS guys, so that'll be posted shortly too. So um, your people can just get a hold of us at sharkhunters.com or send an email sharkhunters at sharkhunters.com. That's the email that'll get to me. Amazing research you've done, Harry. And folks, if you want to learn more about this, uh, get over to Harry's website and uh, sharkhunters.com puts out a magazine. You can yep. subscribe to. By the way, are you going to be on Jeff Rents anytime soon? I am. Uh, but right now, you talk to the folks because somebody's at the door. i got to okay. throw them out. I'll be back in about 30 seconds. Okay. Folks, um, this is really an exclusive to get Harry here on this program. He only does a, a few programs on a regular basis, and that is primarily, number one, Jeff Rents, and then... I also am able to get Harry on this broadcast. So, really honored to have Harry here. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. He's an expert on U-boats and has done more to advance his research uh, into uh, getting the true story and what happened at the end of the war than anybody else I know. Uh, he's done an amazing job at that. And uh, if you're intrigued with what we've been talking about tonight would like to learn more, no better place to start than going to sharkhunters.com. And uh, I'm proud to have been able to do a number of interviews with Harry. And, of course, uh, tonight, just an awesome show. And we're going to be getting him back on. I hope uh, to get a debriefing on his upcoming trip in a few days. He's going to set off on to Germany. So um, My apologies for the break. That's all right. Go ahead. I hope you got a package from one of the intel <laughs> no, it's with some people, on the, people looking for the wrong house. Um uh, Maybe they were tuning into the program. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, just just joking. Um, listen. Yeah, well, I'm, Rents, same, you asked about Rents. Uh, Thursday next week, the 14th, I'm on at 9 p.m. No, 10 p.m., I'm sorry. Hey, listen, I have uh, enjoyed, when I could, listening to Rents over the years, and I remember him talking about Waco and 911 oh, way yeah. back in the day. A uh, brave man to do that. And I would uh, sometimes pick him up on, uh, I remember a cross-country trip. I was going from Georgia to California, and I was so bored, I got to a point, and uh, I turned into the radio, and there was Rents. 
Man, he helped me make it through some driving time. Uh, such an interesting uh, speaker. And uh, yeah, he's, he's a sharp guy, and he and I have become good friends over the years. You can listen to any of rents, uh, any of my programs with rents, on my uh, website, sharkhunters.com, and then go to radio appearances. Oh, this is exciting! Now, when are you going to be back on again? What's your next date with rents? Uh, the fourteenth of this month, Thursday. That's a week and a half away. Okay, and then when are you heading to Germany on the next? Uh, Expedition. 21st of September. Okay. I would like to have you back on when you get back and get a debriefing. I know you're going to have some exciting things to talk about. Heck yes. Yeah, I'll be back. Uh, I'll be back on the 12th, but I'm not going to be in any shape to do anything. Figure the 14th or 15th. I'm back. Give me a call, and we can put our ducks in a row there. Let's do it. And um, any other trips uh, definitely uh, coming up next? Uh, Do you think you will get back to... Um, South America anytime soon? Yeah, but uh, I'm not sure I'll be bringing a group down there because the biggest thing with the group was visiting Enalco, <clears throat> but it's going all to hell. Oh, man. So Did they sell that, by yeah. the way? Is that the, is that story been confirmed? Was it already bought up? I'm not sure if it's been bought up yet or not, but I've seen pictures of it lately, and it just absolutely disaster very sad. the monsters wouldn't even live there that and also um that place over there at the what was it uh near the general walker hotel what's it called that has the underground bunker complex oh to- yeah the hotel zoom turkin zoom turkin any updates oh. on that will that ever open again for the public i don't know and we're not able to get anything out i've got sources over there Nobody nobody knows what the future is. Nobody knows who owns it. Uh, but we have a friend who has a friend who is uh, a large landowner right near the Hotel Zoom Turkin. So when my friend Ralph gets down there, he's going to talk to this guy and see if he can find out who owns it. But my guess is it's going to be destroyed. They've what? got the best bunker system down below there of any of them. But they're closed. Everything is closed. It's. They said that they're going to do what's necessary to erase the dark oh. history of the Turkin. You know, one bonus question. We know that a major mm-hmm. entrance uh, is through the Zoom Turkin Hotel, that whole underground complex. But when yeah. it boils down to it, uh, who owns that whole underground complex? Uh, is it? If we could find another entrance in there, could you technically access it all and have a We right know to do who it? owns it and we know where all the other entrances are. Everything else is owned by the state of Bavaria. Oh really? And okay. you ain't going in there. Okay. There's a beautiful big bunker complex near near that by the city of Hallein, just over the border into Austria. Big, huge bunker complex. And it's controlled by the city of Hallein. So I wrote to them and <laughs> said I was a researcher, et cetera, et cetera, and I would like permission to go in there. And they said, no, it's dangerous. It's too dangerous. No, it ain't dangerous. The Germans built solid stuff. Well, it's dangerous to they, the narrative they watch in it. that they want to protect. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, exactly. I lied to you. I actually got one bonus question more to ask. Just a and wild before card. you ask it, let yes. me tell you, 
Uh, do you know what is famous about the city of Helene? No, tell me. That's where a minister was doing his Christmas service and he ran out of power and they sang a song, Silent Night, Holy Night. That's where that song came from. I had no idea. Stilles Nacht, Heilige Nacht. That's remarkable. And that chapel, that church is still there. In all the research you've done, have you ever come across any leads on what happened to the um, special... Uh, what's I just lost the name the the Russian room that had all these ornate panels at oh 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 the amber room yeah amber room anybody otherwise known as the Bernstein Zimmer any clues on whatever happened to that anybody ever mentioned that in your research? Well, everybody and his brother knows where it's at so they can get on television right but once you get there like Josh Gates you know he's he's always looking for this treasure, that treasure, you're never finding any. That's the same thing with the Bernstein Zimmer. Bernstein means amber. Zimmer is room. So the do, Bernstein Zimmer is the amber room. Do you think and, that it could be in a private collection or maybe sitting over there in the Owl Mountain Complex, one of those caves somewhere? <laughs> I don't think it got as far as the Owl Mountains, but we've got pictures of it being loaded onto trucks all crated up because, you know, each panel was a separate panel. I think there were 24 panels. And they had them all boxed up. The SS boxed them up, and they were going to ship them from uh, Baltisk, which used to be called Pilau when Germany had it, and it was supposed to go over to Kiel. But we know it got boxed up. We don't know if it got to Baltisk, Pilau. We don't know if, if it got there, if it got on a ship. Was it on a ship that got sunk in the Baltic? Did it make it to Kiel and disappear? Nobody knows. There has been a, an exact duplicate made, and it's back there in yeah. Russia. It originally came from the king of uh, Prussia. I think it was Prussia. Yeah, the king of Prussia. And I guess he needed money, and so he sold it to the Tsar. The Tsar had money like you can't imagine. And then when uh, when the German troops were heading towards St. Petersburg, which is where it was, that's when it evaporated. I want to thank you for coming on tonight. If someone wants to contact you, what's the best way to do it, Harry? Uh, email sharkhunters at sharkhunters.com or during daylight hours, call me at 352 352- Six three seven two nine one seven. I'll get a copy of this posted and uploaded and send you a link in about two hours. I'm working faster now than ever before. If you miss this show, folks, from the start, you want to get it. One of the best shows we've done, I think. What an interesting... It was, it's fun. Uh, ...fun broadcast. And if you remember, tell Jeff Rentz I said hello when you talk to him next Okay. Time. I'll probably be talking to him again before the before I go on the show on the 14th because uh, Jeff and I have become good friends over the years. Never met the guy. He's always out there on the mountainside. I'm always here in Florida, but oh, I, we, I we talked a lot. He's a good guy. I thought maybe he had uh, tagged along on one of the patrols in the past. So um, No, uh, he, he won't get on an airplane. Okay, okay. You know, he's one of the pioneers in uh, Internet radio. And, you know, he started on yeah. regular radio, but now he's doing uh, both Internet, too. Uh, tell my said hello, and um, uh, God bless you, Harry. Thank you for coming on tonight, my friend.
My pleasure. You have a great day. God bless you, too. Have a good trip. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, that was that was Harry Cooper of SharkCutters.com. Did you enjoy that? Um, we deserve to know the truth. We've been lied to by our governments, not only in America, but Russia and many governments have, you know, he who wins the war gets to write the textbooks and the history, right? And we're still being lied to. Look at what's going on with the election interference of the last election, this uh, this uh, plandemic, I call it a scamdemic is what it is, uh, trying to control us again and get us all under the thumb of the New World Order. They want to go to digital currency. They don't want you and I to have paper money anymore. Makes me so angry. These are a bunch of liars on an international scale that get together and make their plans and lie to the rest and uh, try to deceive people into going along with their operation until they've been captured and your freedoms have been taken away. Um, and it, you know, it. there's a long history of lies and deceit. Um, I've got children who are school age now, and uh, I don't want them to learn, again, the same fabricated history that we've all grown up with. I want them to know the truth. The truth will set us free. And uh, really, I think about all the school systems are good for anymore. If you can find a good one is uh, is uh, mathematics. Uh, but I'm so ashamed of the educational system out there. It's really an indoctrination system. Uh, many believe it's been infiltrated long ago by the communists. I believe they're correct. And all this outcome-based education and uh, what do they call it, goals 2000, leave no kid behind uh, common core, what were these other crap programs, now it's uh, LGBTQ sensitivity training God have mercy, when's it going to stop well not till Jesus returns for sure but uh, we don't have to take it lying down and uh, I love this, this topic, I've been interested in it for many years we're talking tonight about Analco, if you're just joining us. Hitler's home in Argentina. Uh, there on the, the shores of that lake, not far from San Carlos Barranlochi. I think uh, here he said about 60 kilometers from that main point. And I remember various times hearing rumors about this place, even seeing footage of it. When I was in Mexico one time and 2000, there was a Mexican broadcast on and um, with the Spanish that I understood at that time I, I tried to follow along with the report and they had a crew that was trying to get there 20 years ago and Harry's been there and done that many times and uh, I heard rumors of Nazis in Argentina and uh, got a, an opportunity to talk to a a KGB Russian agent who defected to America and who was interviewed on the G. Gordon Liddy show in the early 90s. And I just called in. Didn't think I'd get through, but I did. And I got to ask him a couple questions. And one of the questions was, is it true that the uh, KGB has Hitler's skull? And the guy, of course, he said, yeah, we do. We have it in a, uh, a box there in the archive, fragments of it. Well, I think he was being as honest as he knew to be, um, 
that they had something, but we find out years later, it's not a man's skull that they got. It was a woman. So they don't have it. And uh, there's been various times over the last 20 years uh, I've looked into this matter, and then when I finally um, had an opportunity to come across the work of Harry Cooper, man, I just started salivating. I said, i got to get him on. This guy knows a lot. Let's see what he can he knows and begin to look into it. And uh, his website, and uh, Harry agreed to come on. We've done many programs over the years and always learned something new. Fascinating history. We may never know the the full story, but anyway, we can try. And uh, if you're interested, like I am, uh, check out his website. He's got a great magazine you can get. Got some of the best books on the subject. And he gets his own research. He goes out there on the ground, boots on the ground. Look, on my uh, my wish list is, uh, of course, y'all know I want to get to Mount Sinai. Got to fly to Saudi Arabia to do that. Get to Jeddah. Want to climb the mountain. Meet with God over there. I also would like to get on a trip and maybe one day and uh, go over there to Paraguay and scope out some of these locations on the ground with Harry. That would be an interesting trip. I don't know if I ever get to do that, but he does take regular trips uh, well when things were normal. This will be the first trip I think he's taken in three years because of the lockdowns in America and many of these countries. So I know he's got a smile on his face getting ready to take a trip and I know it's got to feel good to get on a plane and, and go somewhere again. I haven't been off this island in three years myself. So I'm, I'm kind of itching to take a trip somewhere. We'll see how long the door opens up. Hopefully for a long time. I certainly don't want to go through another lockdown as I'm sure you don't either. Let's pray that doesn't happen. Well, that's going to be it for today's program. Thank you for tuning in. We just did two shows today. I'll get these posted. We'll be back tomorrow. I think tomorrow we got four programs. Uh, it's going to start to pick up again. If you want to find out more about what we do, go to my website, omegamanradio.com and uh, God bless you all for tuning in.